Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our study of the book of Acts. Our scripture is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. In God's perfect time, he fulfills the promise of Jesus made to his disciples just prior to his ascension. The coming of the Holy Spirit, which would indwell all true believers. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Promise Arrives. The final touches on God's revelation about the church, which is the body of Christ, of which we are part, that revelation came, not not unsurprisingly, or not surprisingly, through Paul. It was his ministry that God used to bring Jews and Gentiles together in one new entity. And he always emphasized that. Remember, any place he went, always in the new city, find the synagogue, use your credentials as a rabbi, go in and tell them about the Messiah. Preach as much as you can, stay as long as you can till they throw you out, take those who believed, go to the Gentiles. It was such a, a, a glorious celebration that the wall of partition has been torn down in Christ. Now, in a sense, in a sense, you could say the old covenant and the new covenant overlapped by about 40 years. I say only in a sense, because it was 40 years after Christ was crucified that the temple was destroyed. But the new covenant began when Christ said, it is finished. Or if you want to say, when he ascended, or if you want to say, when the Holy Spirit came. Right now, Acts chapter 1 and 2, we know that. But we also know it took a while for all of these promises to be worked out, for all of these, for all the recognition of what it was, for the gospel to begin uh, to spread. And remember, after the leaders of the Jews had said definitively, Jesus is of the devil. Remember that? Matthew chapter 12. And after, later on, Jesus said to them, Matthew 21, verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. That people producing the fruit of the kingdom is, starting with that 120, the body of Christ. Still that entity through which God is working. Now up in Romans 9 through 11, we get the full explanation about what has happened since this transition. That Israel has been temporarily set aside until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So we're at the moment of the promise arriving. Now here's the third miracle of that day. And they... They is the they of verse 3, which is the them of verse 2. It's the 120. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the work of Christ placing believers into the body of Christ. It is a sovereign, one-time, unrepeatable act. It seals us in Christ. It is concurrent with new birth, with adoption, with regeneration, with a whole bunch of other things. You receive your, whole, your, your spiritual gifts. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is different from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody's ever commanded to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a sovereign work of God. But you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled, as we learned in depth in Acts or in Ephesians 5 and 6 a while back, that is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. So no one's commanded to be baptized with the Holy Spirit because we have nothing to do with that. It's the sovereign work of God. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit enables you to be filled with the Holy Spirit when you let Him take control of you. And so when these first 120 had now received the Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God granted another miraculous manifestation. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They began speaking in languages that aren't their languages. It would have been as if, suppose we had guests from Africa here today, and we say stand up and uh, greet each other, and one of you starts uh, thinking about the wonderful things that God's done in your life, and you open your mouth, and out comes fluent Swahili for the Swahili speaker. And somebody else hears Urdu, and somebody else hears Pashto, and somebody else hears Spanish, and somebody else hears French, and somebody else hears German, because they're all speaking in languages they don't know. Trust me, that would be a miracle. I speak in the one language I don't know very well, and I screw it up all the time. But these were people perfectly declaring the marvelous deeds of God. Now, there's a tremendous amount of Pentecost of um, uh, yes, there's a tremendous amount of Pentecostalism, but there's a lot of um, unnecessary confusion about this since the birth of Pentecostalism in the early 20th century, and then. The practices of Pentecostalism uh, burst at the seams and spread widely through the charismatic movement starting in the 1970s. And there, is now, uh, there are now lots of people today who claim they have this gift, but they don't. There is a manifestation. Linguists are uh, familiar with it, can describe it. it, has been recorded, tested, evaluated. It is not human language. It's called ecstatic speech. It's practiced by um, some people in very mystical places. It's practiced in, within cults and with other, within other world religions. But there are some Christians who say, I have that gift. That's the gift of tongues. Or that's my own prayer language. It's not. It doesn't fit the descriptions of this gift here or when it's described in, in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And as a matter of fact, 
Um, there's a really interesting phenomenon. Test this one out when you look through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, especially uh, chapter 14. And it started with the translators of the King James, and I think it is absolutely valid. When they are describing the real gift, they call it tongues. Another word for languages, plural, because there are many languages. When they describe the pseudo-gift, the ecstatic speech, they call it an unknown tongue, singular, because there are no dialects of gibberish. If it's not linguistically distinct, I don't mean gibberish in a pejorative sense, but I mean things that, does it, that, that don't make any sense at all. This was people miraculously enabled to speak in languages they don't know. Oh, wouldn't it be nice for this gift to be in practice today? I've done a, I've done a lot in the 20 plus trips I've gone to Russia and I've taught for countless hours there. I could have done twice as much if I didn't have to have somebody interpret for me all the time. She's good. A lot of people over there think I'm a good preacher and I, they have no evidence for that. I know she's a good preacher, but I think she says what I say. In my, It's totally different to be able to speak in a different language. Now, on this occasion, those who understood the Old Testament would have realized this is a great big deal. This is part of the transition we were told about. This is God turning away from Israel to a new entity. And again, it would come later, and it came through the Apostle Paul to whom God gave the explanation. Centuries before this, God had promised through Isaiah that there was judgment coming from God on unbelieving Israel, and it was going to come through foreigners speaking other languages, and that would be a sign to unbelieving Israel that God was judging them. He was referring to the foreigners who came in and whisked them off into captivity. Paul quoted from Isaiah, specifically from Isaiah 20, or 28, verses 11 and 12, and he said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22. In the law it is written, another one, connection to the Old Testament. None of this is surprising. It's the next step of development. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy, speaking forth God's word, is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Now, we'll be circling back to some of this later times in the book of Acts. But if you think I'm making it up, I'm not. Let's look at the next point. The miracle explained, verses 5 through 11. That noise like a violent rushing wind began to gather a crowd. And those outside the house apparently didn't see the tongues as of fire. We don't know that they did anyway. But when they arrived, when the crowd arrived... They witnessed an unprecedented phenomenon we've never seen 
before. This is what sets the stage for Peter's great sermon. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.